Good morning. So this is the second Advent candle, this peace. Um, during the season of Advent, we prepare for the celebration of Christ's birth. Jesus opens the door to peace with God. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 reads, For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of God's light into the world. Christ's name is also Emmanuel, God with us. The presence of God with us gives us peace. God, we thank you that Jesus brought peace into our world. Help us have your peace into our lives. For just a little while, we're going to talk about the Christ song. The songs of Zechariah, Mary, the angels, and Simeon are responses to news of Jesus' birth that were recorded and that the church has used as worship songs down through the years. Um, they're Christ songs. We talked about the song of Zechariah last week. The angel Gabriel was dispatched to give Zechariah and Elizabeth the news that their son would be John the Baptist. Six months later, Gabriel was dispatched to give news to a teenage girl in a small village that she would give birth to the Messiah. Her response is the Song of Mary. We're going to read it through, make a couple of comments, and then think about the two things from her song that tell us about what God is like and who God connects with. Um, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Gabriel's meeting with Zechariah was conducted in one of the most awesome structures at the world at that time. The temple in Jerusalem was adorned in gold, and the news of the Messiah would take place in a far more humble place. Nazareth was a small town in the northern part of Israel. Probably only about four to five hundred people existed in the town. In that small village, there was a teenager named Mary who was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. The way it worked back then, that at a very young age, they said as young as 12, girls would become betrothed to boys to become their husband. The way it worked is they would come into an arrangement that the a boy would approach the father of a girl asking for the girl's hand in marriage. They would arrange a dowry price. Once everything was arranged, they were officially a couple, but they didn't live together yet. So what happened then, the boy, teenager, most of the time went to build a house by their parents. And so then for about a year, he would go and prepare a place and then he would come back and they would have a marriage ceremony. And at that point, they would live together. This is the background for these words by Jesus when he was in the last week of his life, knew that the disciples knew that he would be leaving them. And here's what Jesus said. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus is speaking as a groom would speak. And he is referring to us as his bride. What he promises then, after having come into a relationship with us, what he does, he goes and prepares a place for us. He has been doing that for the past 2,000 years. I'm not working on it, but he has been like the part of the groom who goes away, and then he will come back at some point. And when he comes back, he will usher those who are his children, who are children by believing in him, to this place he has prepared for us, and we get to live with him there forever. That's the, the sense, that's what happened with Jewish marriage. What ended up happening is that the angel went to her, Elizabeth, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. When the angel speaks to Mary, she is confused. She knows that God's with her, that she has received grace, and God's going to do something in her, but she doesn't know what it is. And then the angel continued. He says, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. What she heard is that she would be promised someone that the nation of Israel had been waiting for for about a thousand years. Back in King David's time, he ruled about a thousand years before Jesus came, he was promised that there would be one who would come after him, who would be part of his bloodline, who would become a king, and that his king his kingdom would reign forever. And they waited a thousand years for this person they called the Messiah. And they imagined that this Messiah would come and allow Israel to overthrow Rome, which was dominating them at the time. He didn't come. It's what, it's, it's what it ends up saying to David, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Again, Israel waited for a thousand years. Joseph was in the line of David. Well, Jesus then becomes this promised king. She goes on. Mary says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary, Mary asks the obvious. She questions how this birth can occur given her lack of sexual experience. She learns that Jesus' birth 
will be the work of God's creative power. The angel goes on, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. But nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Elizabeth, Mary's long barren relative, had conceived and was in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Once Mary learns of Elizabeth's condition, she travels to see her. It says at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and, Israel, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The journey covered about 80 to 100 miles, would have taken Mary three to four days to meet with her relative Elizabeth. The baby's response when, is, when she's greeted by Mary, Elizabeth sees that as a sign. In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. In response, Mary utters what has become the Song of Mary. It's short, but it talks about two things. It talks about God's mercy and that those to whom God bestows mercy are the humble. Look what she says. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. The word translated mercy is a word translated differently in the Old Testament, which called mercy, but in the Old Testament, it's referred to as love and God's love. Mercy for God, it's not something that he does because he's emotional. Mercy, the word means covenant faithfulness. And what it describes, when God comes into a covenant relationship with people, and a covenant is a very structured set of promises that somebody determines to, to keep with someone else. So God comes into covenants with us. The old covenant from Mount Sinai, God says, I will bless you if you obey and curse you if you disobey. And then Jesus came, and when Jesus came, the old covenant was set aside, and a new covenant replaces it. And this covenant, he says, I will put my law on your mind and write it on your hearts. I will be my God. I will be your God, and you will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because you will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful, forgiving, generous to your unrighteousnesses 
and remember your sins no more. What a covenant is, is God promising to honor a covenant commitment. And what he says, he will put his law in our hearts, he will cause us to know him, and he will forgive our wickedness and remember our sins no more. Now, when we believe that, that's what Mary did. She was told something by God, she heard it, and she believed it. And that's how we come into a connection with God, by believing what he says. Remember what God says in his covenant, is that he'll write his law on your heart, he'll cause you to know him, and he'll forgive your wickedness. Now, what's our part? To believe it. And you know what we're to believe? That God is a God of mercy. And you know what mercy means? He doesn't forgive you because he feels bad for you. He doesn't forgive you because you are such a despicable person. He forgives us because he promised to. And God is always faithful to his covenant promises. Always. That's what mercy means. There's a psalm. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his, and there's the word, love. It's, it's the word when that describes God's mercy. God's mercy is love, his covenant faithfulness, his love for those who fear him, fear him. Fear him? What does that mean? In the context to fear, it's not talking about terror because you don't have to fear someone who's merciful. Would you agree with me? If somebody is kind and merciful and is, and is giving you really good promises, like I'm going to write my law in your heart, I'm going to cause you to know me, and I'm going to forgive your unrighteousnesses and remember your sins no more, do you have to be afraid of somebody who says those kind of things to you? No. Because he's kind and generous. And that's, so the, the love then here is, it's not a fear. It's, it's, it's your reverence for a king or someone in authority. Somebody who's powerful and whose word you believe. That's what it means to fear, not to be terrified of God. God's favor is specifically directed to those who fear him. And those who fear him, well, look what Mary says. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. God is merciful, and those to whom God bestows mercy are the humble. He says, he has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our father, go, those who experience God's mercy are the humble. When Jesus was here, here's what he said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, 
and my burden is light. And when Jesus talked to her, there was a lot of people under the burden of religious obligation. And he was saying, come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened. And there might have been many who would not admit that they were weary and burdened. But there were some who did admit. And the ones who came forward, those are the ones Jesus connects with. You don't need to be afraid of God. God is merciful. And his son is humble and gentle in heart. And his desire is to give rest to our souls, to replace the weariness and the burden by promises. And what he says, those who are going to connect with those promises are the humble. You know what the humble are? The humble are, are those who experience frustration. They don't have what they want. They can't, they can't use what they have to get what they want. That's what it means to be humble. It means to have experienced, I can't have what I want to have. I can't do what I want to do. I can't think what I want to think. I can't feel what I want to feel. If your life is fine, then you're probably not going to respond to his claim. He's going to say, come to me. And you might not come. But if your life is not fine, if there's things you can't make happen, if you do need help, if you are weary and burdened, what Jesus says to you, come to me. He understands what it's like to be humble. He was born to a teenage girl in a small town in the northern part of Israel. Um, God opposes the proud, gives grace. Sometimes when we have everything we want, social circumstances can make us feel like we don't need God. I mean, we have money, so we don't really need him. And it seems that the poor are often more dependent on God. God's mercy connects with the humble. He gives grace to and through the humble. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, thank you for sending your son and how you did it. Not to, didn't have your son born in a very powerful family, but in a very humble one. They didn't have a lot of money. They were from a really small town. They were teenagers. And you introduced your son into the world in those humble, humble, in those kind of humble circumstances. Uh, thank you for your mercy that you promise to fulfill promises that you make and you have entered into a new covenant with us because of Jesus. And you promise to write your words in our heart. And you promise that we'll know you. And you promise that you, you'll forgive our unrighteousnesses and remember our sins no more. And what you want us to do is to have the humility to believe it, that you give us gifts because that's what you're like. You're merciful. Thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen.